We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Coachable family? Welcome back to the Coachable podcast. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, and I'm joined by one of my dearest friends who's come all the way out from Atlanta, Georgia to be here with me in Vegas today. Carrie Ford's in the house, in the studio. Mm -hmm. We're here live in Las Vegas at the Wynn Hotel and Casino in Blue Wire Studios. And this is going to be an epic conversation uh, because I hope and my intention for this conversation and this show is to help illuminate parts of ourselves that are actually preventing us from experiencing the fullness of ourselves and what life has to offer us. And Carrie has been a catalyst for that in my own journey and in our friendship. And I can't wait to to share that a little bit more with you guys. If you're tuning in for the first time here on this show, Carrie's actually been on the Coachable Podcast before. So I highly recommend that you go and listen to our first episode together from a couple years ago now. It's been yeah, a little bit. Um, a minute. We have upgraded. <laughs> We were just laughing about how much of a difference uh, the studio is compared to when we were was initially conversating. Uh huh. Even though we were in Atlanta, we were on Zoom. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think it was like dress. It was like the Zoom outfit. Yep. Top up. The era of the Zoom meeting. Well, we all <laughs> went through that during COVID because Carrie and I met during COVID. Yes. Um, and yeah, now we're together in person, dressed and. We have not, we have uh, actual real pants on instead of sweatpants on. Do Um, Spanx count? Yes. I guess they count. They do. (laughs) But you're looking beautiful as ever. Thanks. So are you. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You radiate. Like just being around you, you uh, are such a small lady. You're a petite woman, but Mm -hmm. you've got a big ass presence. Yeah. And that a lot. People can feel you when you walk in a room. Mm. I want to dive right in to this Mm -hmm. conversation. I don't want, you know, if you guys want to hear Carrie's uh, background and some of more about like her story and personal development and personal transformation, she's going to share some of that today, but please go listen to our original conversation. Um, But I want to jump into what's really alive 
for both of us and what we've been kind of chatting off screen about that mm. so many women need to be talking about. You're looking beautiful, but your relationship to what is beautiful and what makes a woman beautiful has shifted over the years. So Massively. many people look at you and they think, they immediately assume and think certain things about you. I know before I met you, I would have assumed you are just the most confident woman in the world, mm. in the room, um, that you just have it all together. And only by um, getting close to you and really getting to know you have I learned the truth about your own, your relationship with what that means. Can you tell me and tell our audience kind of what your relationship to just the the feminine and your idea of what it means to be beautiful, how that changed over the years? What was that? And what, what has changed for you? Yeah. So, so much. I mean, first and foremost, I think that any real change, any real transformation requires a willingness to look at the mirror. And I don't mean physically what I see, but what I feel when I look there. What is, what are my external circumstances? What are my results telling me I believe about myself? What is that revealing? And a willingness to, to really be real with what is there. Mm -hmm. And Thus begins the deconstruction process when you have that willingness. And I call it going into the cave of courage because it does require courage and it does require bravery yeah. to go there. We're going to get into that. What, what was your relationship with the mirror like mm. growing up? You know, I, I don't feel like I had any self-esteem issues until I was in college. Hmm. I gained weight that I didn't want to gain. And suddenly the reflection changed. Now we're talking physical, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that led to a massive disordered eating, essentially, because there was no room for not perfection mm. in my eyes, which was an incredible fear of failure, mm. rejection, abandonment, not good enoughness. Yeah. And that was really the core wound that that was exacerbated by. Mm -hmm. So it started really positive. I, I, I grew up with a great, you know, great parents, great upbringing. But then to see what I saw in the mirror physically change and then feel on this deep level, like this is unacceptable. I literally rejected parts of myself mm -hmm. in that moment. And yeah. in that fissure is where some... It was really an invitation for for healing, but I didn't recognize it at the time. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be such a conversation that every woman can relate to. And, mm. and I think will be powerful for men too, because there is an idea and a standard of beauty that we are all conditioned to like digest and believe and live up to as women. Yeah. Um, that feels and is unattainable and isn't real. And we're talking about be, what it means to be real, but there is such this, this pressure for women. That was the word I heard in my head. To sure. look and yeah. be a certain way. And when we're younger, when we're little, I remember thinking, you know, I can't wait to be 18 or I can't wait to be 16. <laughs> I can't wait to be in college. And then I can't wait to be 21. I, we want to be older, right? When we're young, mm. we're, we can't wait to be older. And then when we get older, we can't wait to be, we, we're trying to be younger. Mm. Um, 
And so we're always chasing this idealized idea of what beauty means so that we can be enough, mm. right? And that we can be um, considered, like that we're, that we're not um, like rejected or disposed yeah. of. And it's like, we, ha- so many women feel like there's, they're on a timeline with that, mm, right? Yeah. What's funny about what you're saying is we're never really feeling beautiful for the stage we're in. Right. For where we fully are. Mm -hmm. I remember that growing up, you know, have it feeling like once I'm saved by the bell, Kelly Kapowski's age, then I'll be an adult and I'll be sexy and all these things. Mm -hmm. And then you're that age and you're like, oh yeah, this is not, (laughs) this is not adulthood. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. Last time you were in Vegas and you were mm-hmm. visiting me last summer, you mm. were uh, going through a bit of an experiment with yourself. Can you tell us what that was and why you decided to do it? Yeah, I gave up makeup for 30 days and alcohol. Now, I don't have an issue with alcohol per se, but I wanted to remove the masks and the social lubrication between myself and connection mm. that I could be posturing or creating separation, in fact, by doing. And so, you know, we had a full-on girls trip. I came to visit you. We went out, we went to fancy places and I had no makeup on. And I didn't drink alcohol because I wanted to remove the potential barriers between me and intimacy. What was the thing, what was the catalyst that uh, happened for you to decide you wanted to create this experiment experiment for yourself and then actually go through with it and commit to it. Was there something that led you to be like, I think I, I should spend a little time uh, without these things and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. There was a, there was a rupture in my business and it really provided me the mirror to say, what part of me attracted this experience and what is here for me to learn about it? And so the willingness to walk into that cave of courage and really explore what that experience was providing to me was such a gift. And I chose to go deeper into the journey of unmasking Mm -hmm. and unbecoming and unlearning and stepping into, again, that willingness to take a really hard look at myself. What part of me here is potentially not aligned to what I'm creating, Mm -hmm. right? And what called this experience in? Yeah. What did you find? What was the the 30 days like? Because here's the thing. People can look at you yeah. and think, Barbie doll, she's perfect. She's like mm-hmm. so glitz and glam. It's a pretty stark contrast to go from the way in which you presented typically to raw, stripped real, away. stripped away Carrie. Mm-hmm. Now, it was beautiful for me to witness. Mm-hmm. It was an invitation for me to look at these things within mm. myself as well and my attachment to them. Um, so I got to see it from an outsider's perspective of watching you go through this. I'm curious, like, what was your internal experience? What were the the thoughts? What were the the beliefs that you had to face? What was it like looking in the mirror every day? Yeah, I'll be, I'll speak candidly here. It was hard. <laughs> I, I had a very easy time being like, F alcohol, like, that's fine makeup, I felt like I was giving up a part of myself. And to me, that was why I needed to do it. Mm -hmm. If I was so attached to the I and the identity of what I was masking with makeup, which is a postured success, that's what what was happening at that point. Um, 
if I was so attached to the I and the identity within that, it's all the more reason to say, who am I without it? Who am I really? What's left here? And it was like, ooh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. I'll be 39 this year. I've got two kids. I've got melasma on the side of my face. I've got wrinkles and, you know, sun damage. And it was really hard to look at myself in the mirror and think, what if I really look at myself and I actually saw something beautiful instead? Yeah. Not with the perfect nose contour or the mascara that makes your eyelashes longer or the Botox that lifts this. I mean, to, you become so hyper fixated on all the things that need fixing and all the ways that we can lift this and tuck that and amplify, make your eyes bigger and make the lips bigger and whiten the teeth. I mean, it's just a con. I mean, the amount of products that just sat in my, it, right? right? It's, they sat in my cabinet for that month mm-hmm. and I felt grief. Mm. But what I was really grieving was who I thought I was and the way in which that I thought makeup made me her. Mm. Or who you needed to be. Or who I needed to be. Well, here's the thing too. I think as women were also said, like use your beauty to like progress yourself in business. You know, this is, this is um, a benefit to you. Flaunt it. If you got it, flaunt it and, mm-hmm. and use it so that you can continue to progress in the world and in, in your business. And if you look good, people are going to be attracted to you and they're going to yeah. want to work with you right? because you're putting out this version of success. And what it means to be successful means I am perfect. I yeah. look good. Right. I feel good. I have all of these results. And then when you take that away, I all of these other fears and insecurities bubble to the surface because you can't ignore them. Mm-hmm. What yeah. was some of those for you? That, that In the unmasking process, what did you, what was revealed, truly yeah. revealed in the taking away of the things that um, kind of covered that up? I realized that as a whole, both for myself and women as a collective, at least in Western culture here, mm-hmm. we wash away the wisdom. We wash away the lines that show the marks from smiles and memories. We hide the melasma that gave me my two kids, right? And then we, we see the thing that needs fixing rather than the beauty in what gave it, mm-hmm. what, what, what that gave to us. And so I actually started looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, like, what if I really just sat and touched my skin and I saw the lines and I... I looked at the melasma and it was actually a mark of beauty. Mm-hmm. What if I flipped the script on that? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, you're right. Like when you, going back to what you said around when we are younger, we're trying to be older and when we're older, we're trying to be younger. At least that's where I was in, in that point in my, my journey where again, I'll be 39. So it was, what does it look like to not wash away the wis- wisdom, but instead embrace that mm. and to feel beautiful because of it? Right. Right. Because as I hear you talking about, you know, all of the ways in which we try to correct the things that we think are wrong with us. Mm. We get the boob job, we get the new hair products, we get the Botox, whatever it is that Mm. we think needs to be corrected or enhanced. Mm. And how much time, how much energy, how much money we spend did you notice a 
um, in like there was a gap or a spaciousness that it that cre- was created when you didn't have all of this time spent on getting ready every day. It was relieving. <laughs> Speak of, speaking of pressure, it was relieving. Mm-hmm. I there was no pressure to be anything but who I am in this moment. Here I am right now. That's it. I don't need to contour this or lift that or, you know, mm-hmm. open my eyes with this mascara. Mm-hmm. Here I am, mm-hmm. as is, good enough and, dare I say, beautiful. Yeah. Wise. I mean, was it that easy? What Was it like, you, well, you say it was hard. That's the first, first thing you said is that it was actually really, really hard. Yes. But getting to that point where you can look at yourself and, and like what you see. I was like the last few days of... <laughs> Okay, I was like, what, the when, did days. That when was that? <laughs> it was like the in? last week where I was like, yeah, I, I actually feel a deep peace and acceptance that I don't know that I've ever felt before. Mm-hmm. It removed pressure. There was no money to be spent on products. I didn't get Botox and fillers for a year. Um, it was a relief. Mm-hmm. It's just an invisible competition with yourself that you're constantly trying to keep up with that I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I was like, without that, there is all this extra time. You know, I remember getting ready for girls and I was like, well, I'm ready. Yeah. Put some lotion on my face and maybe some lip gloss. <laughs> yeah. And we're out the door. Yeah. Well, you said a word that's interesting and I want to I wanna unpack it a little bit, which yeah. is a competition. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, specifically with women. Um, because I have experienced this uh, I know you have, mm-hmm. and I know one of the things that it, um, has been so fulfilling in our friendship is a redefining of what it means to truly be in collaboration with another woman and not in com- competition with her. Mm-hmm. Did this experiment um, reveal anything to you about the ways in which you were subtly or unconsciously in competition with other women? Not competition, but disconnection Mm. for me. Although I will say I've experienced invisible competition from other women that I wasn't aware was going on. Can you share more? So I've had people, and we have a mutual friend that shared this with us. (laughs) And she was like, I saw your Instagram. I lost my shit. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? She's like, I literally, I wanted to hire your photographer. I wanted to hire your makeup artist. I was like, I'm doing everything wrong. And and like, this was obviously a silent, invisible competition because I wasn't in the race. I wasn't- Even I didn't aware. Feel, no, I wasn't even aware. And so when she revealed this to me after we had already cemented a friendship, I'm like, that's wild to me. That's wild. And I held so much space for her and I just thanked her for sharing because of the courage that requires to be real mm-hmm. about what's actually true mm-hmm. for you. And there are women, you know, online, of course, I think that we find ourselves comparing. Like, wow, she's more enlightened. She's more spiritual. She's more sensual. She, okay, we're studying and taking in like this outfit and that purse with these shoes. And oh, okay, that's a, you know, and and we don't realize what we're consuming. So Mm -hmm. I'm very mindful of what I consume. But I don't often feel in competition with other women. I've just experienced the other side of that Mm -hmm. where I wasn't aware we were in one. Right. But what did show up for me was where I would disconnect and not feel safe with women. And that's what this whole process was really about. Mm. How am I a safe place or not for women? Mm. How did that show up for you? And what, what, is it, what are the indicators 
that you've experienced that say this is safe, you are a safe person or not? Yeah. What I've learned is that safety is subjective because in the work I do in the work of transformation, there are things that say in a coach client relationship that are going to challenge your current beliefs that will make you feel unsafe just because of the nature of transformation and the fact that it is meant to create cognitive dissonance so that you can create new awareness around that and then choose something different. Mm -hmm. So by nature, there might be things that you experience as a lack of safety and therefore I can create relative safety, but I am not responsible for your experience of safety. So relative safety, just to define what that means in space holding is you've provided obviously a beautiful studio for us to do this interview in that's not on fire and it's not, we're not in danger. There's a lock, you know, from the outside of the the wind and that's relative safety. Right. (laughs) Right. Now, if you ask me a question that made me suddenly feel anxious or unsafe, that's my experience based on what Mm -hmm. my lived perception. And so we've got to discern first what safety means Mm -hmm. and know that if we choose to walk into the fire, sometimes we get burned and that means we feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. So that was first and foremost around safety. Yeah. But also, where do I not feel safe with women? And why do I only go close enough where I maintain the posture or the mask of, I'm good. Mm -hmm. Like, I am successful. I've got it figured out. I don't experience pain or breakdown or messiness. Mm And I have so much compassion for those of us that are perfectionists and people pleasers because that's a really sneaky pattern to first identify and then to change because on some inherent level, we've learned that it is not safe to be who you actually are. And that's why we do it to begin with. Right. So it might be perceived as, you know, manipulation or fakeness or inauthenticity, but it is never meant to be that way. It is just Year of being seen for who we really are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the funny part is we that's what we desire and that's what that's what's at the core of being vulnerable that leads to deeper connection. Yep. Where do you think that that seed got planted for you? Um because I think it happened with all of us at one point or another, right? Maybe it's in in middle school. I think I, that's mm-hmm. what comes to to mind for me is being in middle school and becoming more aware of my my body and I'm starting to hit puberty and I'm, you know, like developing and I'm starting to like boys. Sure. And also I'm becoming very aware that, uh, like of what other girls are saying about me and yeah. then I might be bullied or that like, I'm not fitting in with the in crowd of the popular girls. And that can plant the seed around uh, uh, the sisterhood wound can start to to get formed. Yeah. What what was your um, upbringing like? And where do you think that seed of doubt around maybe women aren't safe and really for me? Um, where did that start for you? I would, I relate to middle school. That's where you first, I think, become aware of social constructs mm-hmm. and group dynamics. There's suddenly a sense of, I want to fit in. And if I don't belong, it there's a fear. So who do I need to be to be accepted and belong? And that's a primal, you know, instinct. Yeah. It's literally like a a need, a core need. Mm -hmm. Think about like living in tribes. Yeah. You know, if you're out of the tribe, you don't survive. So it is ingrained. It is programmed into us. Mm -hmm. And now with social constructs, we have 
uh, one of the, and again, sometimes they recognize it, sometimes they don't in the nervous system and somatic work, but the fawn response, mm. which is the, the please and placate. So who do I need to be or who do I pretend to be in order to avoid conflict? Because conflict feels massively unsafe or disappointment, letting you down, not good enoughness or not belonging. Mm -hmm. So I will transform myself or be a chameleon so that I can on a core level feel like I belong. But the funny part is, it's not you that's accepted. It's the you you have curated. Mm. Did you so find you yourself in at different points in your life falling into that fawn response? Hugely. I didn't, I had, you know, you don't know what you're doing though, right? You're studying, oh, this is how she dresses. Mm -hmm. And this is like what the pretty girls do to be popular. But the ironic part was I always kind of felt like a loner or an outsider. I often felt like I was a juxtaposition that didn't belong. Here I am, this AP bio nerd that loves choir. And yet, I'm going through a change and, you know, I'm not sure what to do with male attention now. Mm -hmm. Like, this is very confusing. Yeah. So you've got this Barbie little playboy thing that's like, what? And then you've got this, but I really, I love learning and I'm, you know, I'm smart and I'm, you know, feeling like I have to prove that I have a brain too. Mm -hmm. It was a very odd, interesting line to walk. Mm -hmm. Have you always had a lot of girlfriends? I did until I experienced some bullying in high school. Mm. We, there was a, I, I would say I had a best friend growing up and it was a small town, K through 12. You usually kind of stick with the same crew. And I had a best friend and we remained friends throughout all of high school. But as I got into high school, that circle expanded. There were maybe seven or eight women, girls that would hang out. Um, except then I would start getting prank phone calls mm. that were from blocked phone numbers uh, one spring break, you know, I was away with my family. My grandma told my mom that there was feces smeared on my car parked in the driveway. To this day, I still don't know who did it. But you're like, what in, why is, what did I do to deserve that? You're just like, gosh, again, invisible competition, a, a competition I was unaware was going on. I can only say that I, it's probably from jealousy because there wasn't anything malicious I had done to sure. deserve that. I don't think anybody deserves that, mm -hmm. to be clear. Um, but you start to question who your friends really are. And so when you, you learn that those prank phone calls are coming from sleepovers you weren't invited to with the people you thought were your friends, mm -hmm. you start to keep to yourself a lot more mm -hmm. and protect so that doesn't happen again. Yeah. yeah. So you, I would only let women in so much or I would only hang out in a one-off situation. Mm -hmm. Groups of women have felt unsafe. Mm -hmm. I can relate. <laughs> I definitely can relate. Um, and I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Um, I don't think we often take time enough to say like, that's fucked up. Thank you. And I would hope, you know, that if you and I had been friends at that point, you, I would have been somebody you could confide in. But you and I didn't meet till much later in our lives. And mm -hmm. you, like you, I've had my own journey with um, what it means to allow myself to come close to the feminine. Mm. I love the way you just said that. Mm -hmm. Because it's always been a deep, deep longing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it starts with our mothers, right? Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I have a core memory of of crying out for my mom when I was really, really young and she was at work. She was 
it wasn't she was neglecting me by any means. My dad was at home, but I really wanted my mother. And I was like two or three and I was crying myself to sleep and um, just crying out like, why are you not coming? Where are you? Where are you? I need you. I need you. And this longing that we have for the feminine, for that nurturing uh, uh, part of of us, it's inside of us, but we're, we're like reaching out for it. And it's like, how can you make me feel safe? How can you make me feel okay? How can you remind me that I'm loved and that, that I'm comfort, comfort me in my distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we've been uh, disconnected from that or cut off from that connection, uh, how lonely it feels. Yeah. And it can create trauma on a level of, you know, because trauma is not what happened to us. It's how we perceive the experience and how our body internalizes it, even if we don't have cognitive words. Mm-hmm. And it's too much, too soon, too fast, or what you were speaking to, too little, too slow, not enough. Right. I want more connection. I want more depth. I want more presence. Yeah. And I think that as we see the collective feminine healing as well, we're discovering that we don't need to be liked by men or be like men in order to really be successful Mm. and to tap into our deepest work and connection within ourselves, which is that we are love itself, which is simply presencing the ever abundant flow of that. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't require grasping, getting, holding, or chasing. Being something other than we are. Molding. Yeah, conforming. Conforming, right. Yeah. The need to conform is so strong um, for so many of us because, like you said, that need to belong is really, yeah. really, really ingrained in us. Mm-hmm. What, what is your relationship with the feminine in general? Like, how do you define uh, femininity? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. Mm. Oh, actually, power is the first word that comes up. But it's not postured power in the way that we might think that it is. It's not an authoritarian mm-hmm. power. It is a felt energy of an essence. Feeling her when she walks in the room with words unspoken or mm-hmm. simply sitting in the back of the room, just knowing that that woman exists, feeling mm-hmm. her essence and her grounded presence. Also sensuality, mm-hmm. unleashing with full permission that we are sexual beings to explore the darkness of that Mm -hmm. and the light. Both sides to know that both are required for wholeness. Yeah, definitely. I was having a conversation yesterday that brought up something very interesting for me and it's the archetype of the good girl. It's funny you say that because as we were speaking earlier when you said, where did this start? It's the good girl training. Mm -hmm. What is the good girl archetype and how, because I know how I, um, how that's shown up for me, but what did that mean for you as a, like, how did that get started and what was the implications of that, um, Mm. of falling into the need to be considered or seen as, as a good girl? Yeah. Sit down, shut up and just listen. Mm. Do what I say. Don't question it. Don't have an opinion and then do it better. And look good doing it. Right. (laughs) Do it all. Have it all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the lie we buy into. I do think you can have it all. But that's not the all that I want. Mm. 
the all that I want is not, does not require me to abandon or betray myself or my voice, which I have learned to tap into. And I'm still in many ways learning how to express healthy fight response, Mm -hmm. establish boundaries and assertiveness without being being called a bitch. Right. (laughs) Or being able to show up and now full circle kind of come back to make up in healthy self-expression and creativity and say, your perception of me has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. It has only to do with your perception of you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your projection. And so it's breaking up with all of that. I don't need to please. I am not responsible for your response to me. Mm. Yeah. Or I'm not, I think what's so healing is when you start to realize I'm not responsible for being or living up to your idea of me. Oh gosh. And that's a big one with the good girl that comes out because I think so many times people have decided who they think I am based on a perception. Absolutely. She must have it all together. Does she ever, is she ever not perfect? Does she ever mess up? Right. Part of that was just not allowing myself to be seen in the mess, right? Uh, Trying to hide that part. Because we love the parts of us. It's easy to love the parts of us that we like about ourselves, the things we (laughs) like about ourselves that we think are acceptable Mm -hmm. and beautiful and worthy Mm -hmm. and special and valuable. But it's the darker parts. It's our anger. (laughs) Yeah, the anger is sacred and appropriate. Mm -hmm. It's our flaws. It's It's in the rejection, our own rejection of ourselves and saying, actually, we're so afraid that everybody else is going to reject us. Mm. We end up rejecting ourselves first. Sure. And it's an everyday battle for some women, for most women, to get up and see and listen and hear that inner critic that is constantly telling you what's not good enough and how you need to change mm. and what, where you need to fix this. And I that. think I may have been the poster child for that because mm. <laughs> <laughs> this manifested for me in achieving behaviors mm. that were actually driven by anxiety for fear that I would be seen as not good enough or disappoint someone. Mm-hmm. And so I would always move the finish line back on myself or I would raise the bar higher so I would never really reach it. Right. And what did that do? It confirmed my story and my bias that I'm not good enough because right. I never reached the finish line and I never do it to the best of my ability, because guess what? There's more. Right. Always. When you operate at 125%, 100% feels like you're giving less. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. I want to come back to this experiment that you did, because you you just uh, alluded to it. But once you finish that, because people look at you now on camera, and they're like, she's wearing makeup, and she's all yes, bossed out, and she looks good. Not that you wouldn't look good if you were sitting here makeupless. Sure. But you've chosen to continue to, to dress up, and to, to, but you're doing it from a different kind of place. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's different now? I want to pause for just a second and say thank you to this week's sponsor, Air Doctor. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know how committed I am to building a life that feels as good as it looks. And one way I do that is through breath work. And so I pay attention to the air that I breathe because I realize that in order to really have a life that feels as good as it looks, I can't just look at and pay attention to what's on the outside. I have to also understand the importance of taking care of what I can't see, which is the air that I breathe. Now, the crazy thing is, and why this is so important to me, is I real I, I heard this statistic recently that really blew my mind, which is the average American is spending 90% of our time indoors. And that's really sad and true. <laughs> I live and work from home. I'm an online entrepreneur, so I'm spending a ton of my, my time indoors, but especially during the summer months here in Las Vegas where it gets ultra hot. And the scary thing is indoor air can be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. And when you think about the effects of that, it has on our bodies, has on our sleep, the allergies that I've been experiencing for the last year have all started to like improve since I started using the Air Doctor 3000. Now, the Air Doctor's Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99 of tested bacteria and viruses. And this gives me some ease, honestly, to know that the air that I'm breathing in all day, every day is clean because there are really good benefits to having clean air. It relieves symptoms of asthma. It eliminates harmful chemicals in the air. It neutralizes unpleasant odors if you've got children or pets around, and it reduces the chance of airborne diseases. So as someone who's passionate about living a mindful life, I really believe in taking care of our well-being. And that goes beyond just what meets the eye and is an inside-out approach. So the exciting news is that Air Doctor is offering a special deal just for our listeners. So if you head over to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code COACHABLE to unlock their exclusive offer, you can receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off your Air Doctor air filter Remember, creating a life that feels as good as it looks means paying attention to the details. So go over to airdoctor.com, airdoctorpro.com to use promo code COACHABLE to claim your special offer. Together, let's create a life that's not only beautiful, but also healthy from the inside out. And permission to be free with whatever the fuck it looks like in this moment and in the next. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to show up like this. I wanted to. Mm -hmm. This was my creative expression in this moment right now. Yeah. And the way that we go through the transformation, right? There's first the construction of the identity, right? Who we think we need to be and all those years that we've probably spent prior to knowing this work. And then there is the reconstruction, sorry, the deconstruction where we are examining, how did I get here? And how was I co a co-creator in this life with this set of beliefs? And oh shit, none of that is actually me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whoa. 
that's kind of mind blowing. Having gone through a divorce, that was really like the ultimate mirror for me in saying, okay, how did I get here? Because I chose this, but what chose this? What parts of me? What were the beliefs? What are my results telling me I believe about myself? Mm. And then I began to deconstruct those. Where did this come from? Why is it here? What is it that's really driving me in this moment where my foot is on the subconscious gas pedal Mm -hmm. that created this, Mm -hmm. where I was asleep to it? And so you let go and you grieve and those parts of you die. And those parts were never really you, but it certainly feels like it is. And that is a death. Mm -hmm. And that's what I went through with the, the letting go of makeup. And I'll admit, like, even in this moment now, I feel silly saying, like, makeup was this, I mean, how privileged. It's an addiction. <laughs> but well, it's, it, everything can be an addiction. Yeah. But it is a very powerful so- social construct to being accepted and to posture and success. Mm-hmm. Right. So I want to, I just want to, I want to presence the, the knowledge and the awareness that I have in, in speaking privileged. I, I get that. And um, I want to see people in that. And, um, and then begins after the deconstruction, the reconstruction. So the parts might rearrange and you might end up back where you once were, but it is completely different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That come from the place in, in yourself that you're coming from is now not powerless. It's empowered. Exactly. Right. Because you're choosing. Empowered. You're choosing. Yes. You're choosing how am I going to, this is a tool and I'm going to choose how I use it instead of thinking I, this is the only way and I, it's Mm. using me. Yes. Instead of it creating more disconnection, it doesn't do either connection or disconnection. It just simply is. Mm -hmm. And so the neutrality of that allows for the reconstruction. Mm -hmm. It allows for the rearranging. Can you speak to the energy behind the, the difference in the energetic come from of those mm. two places internally? And what is what someone might experience from you um, when you're coming from this empowered place? Because mm. you still, the outside appearance still looks the same. That hasn't changed. But the feeling and the felt sense of what they experience from you yeah. is very different. I'll give an example in our friendship something you and I have consciously leaned into, mm-hmm. you know, after you move from Atlanta to Vegas even, is we show up in the mess. I'm going to call you when things are not working. And when you ask me how I am, I'm going to tell you how I am really. Yeah. And like, oh, mm-hmm. I remember the first time that I did that, we were on a FaceTime call. And even just saying those words out loud where I was like, I am choosing to be seen right now in potentially crushing all your perceptions or ideas of me. Mm -hmm. And that was really scary. And so the intention and the energy behind that is like, there is a willingness to just lay it all out there. Yeah. And that's what I think it's so vulnerable. It's so raw and real show up in our imperfection and allow someone else to see that Mm -hmm. and not run away or mask or hide that part of us in fear of being judged or rejected, but actually allowing it to be seen. And then in so doing, when you do that with a safe person in a safe environment, you find that actually you're received. Mm. 
Yeah. You are loved despite that, which is so healing and unconditional. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of courage because it's so easy just to like, when people ask you, how are you? You're like, I'm good. I'm fine. And only we live in a culture of Instagram where we're only putting out our best photos, you know, and we're not talking about our failure from that week. We're not talking about the, the, the guy that ghosted you. We're not talking, you know, you're, or the, the, the friend that failed launch, (laughs) you know, fear of all the bills that you have to pay because this didn't work out. Yeah. We're not client that wants a refund or. Yeah. That's surely not glamorized or talked about or, uh, you know, publicized. And so it takes so much to, to get even the courage up to, to in the privacy of a conversation with a friend say, Hey, this is really where I'm at. Um, but it is so necessary in order to have the connection and intimacy that you and I crave. And I would assert people who listen to this show also really, really desire. Like we yeah. want intimacy. Mm. We want closeness. Like I was saying, like that we yearn for it. It's part of our DNA. We want to belong. We want to be accepted. We want to be seen. And how much pain comes from living a life where we're not seen and we have all these walls up to protect ourselves. And, and yet we're reaching out for love. We're reaching out for connection and there's a wall in between us. It's like, yeah. it's like this emotional condom that we're wearing. <laughs> I love that. It's just like bar- a barrier to yeah. intimacy. Right. And it's the masks, the, way, the ways that we're protecting ourselves and to let those down mm-hmm. and to be truly revealed in our imperfection is the most beautiful thing we can do. Yeah. And I might invite the question, if someone is listening and not sure about what is a mask mm-hmm. and what masks do I have, mm-hmm. to ask yourself if you use this thing, this vice, whatever that is for you, maybe it's alcohol, like for the social lubrication so that you can feel that you're relaxed and social and less introverted and weird and awkward, you know? Yep. Um, and, or maybe it's the makeup or maybe it's like an obsession at the gym. Is this thing, am I using this thing to lean more into disconnection or further into vulnerability? Mm-hmm. It's such a good question. Am I running from something by using this? Yeah. Or am I using it to bridge the gap and move towards something that I actually mm-hmm. really want? Mm-hmm. It's funny. We're talking about social lubrication and emotional condoms over <laughs> here, but it's real because if, if what we all, one of the things we all really want and we all have the same primary needs is love and belonging and connection, there's a, every time we lie to ourselves or to someone else, we create a barrier to that connection. And that's what I wanted to put down. I wanted to put down the barrier and be with really what's true. What's actually coming up for me? Mm. And that was the social experiment and the only intention I set for myself, mm. which is I, uh, I don't know. There is no intention other than to notice what comes up as a result of doing this. Mm. I'm just going to notice. I'm going to notice the feeling of insecurity that comes up when I'm with three of my beautiful girlfriends that all have their makeup and everything on in Vegas. I'm going to notice sitting with myself in looking in the mirror at 
all of my wrinkles and all of my melasma and really trying to see the beauty in that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just notice. And that's the only purpose for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the deconstruction and mm-hmm. the falling away of all of our barriers and masks, there's the closeness that gets created. And from that, the feminine creative energy mm-hmm gets to flow Mm -hmm. and something new is birthed and born. I realized if your energy is what is introducing you, you don't need makeup for that. (laughs) You know, I can be a badass with or without makeup. Mm -hmm. I can be felt in a room, whether I'm wearing sweatpants or the outfit I have on now. Right. It doesn't matter. Mm. And then beyond that, in the reconstruction, what I discovered was what does adornment and self-expression now look like through that creative flow? What does that look like? Girl, I love all the sparkly things. <laughs> that I realized is almost like a truth for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's part of your expression. I'm like, this is fun. Like mm-hmm. I like, I'm like these shoes I've got on right now, they're all sparkly. They're some of my favorite shoes, the way they catch the light. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. You know, I've been embracing my curly hair. That's been fun. It feels mm-hmm. kind of wild. It feels free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here I am right now mm-hmm. in this moment. So That's all I need. So the, the reconstruction has been fun mm. and it's been playful. And also it had me look at, I was on a former client's podcast and she said, we were, we were talking about the, the removal of the makeup and she goes, you know, what's really cool I do love seeing this side of you public facing with the no makeup because I got to see that in our coaching sessions. So it's almost like all sides of you get to be seen now. And I love that. And she goes, but I'd love to share with you that I use the not not wearing makeup and the spiritual garb as my mask. Mm. And that that was a perspective I had never considered. You only think about the removal of, but what about the stripped away? And then she was like, I feel weird when I wear makeup. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, just how does this look and where am I masking? Mm-hmm. Asking the question, am I leaning more into disconnection, mm-hmm. you know, or into vulnerability? Mm-hmm. What um, impact did this experiment have on your, your relationship? I'm curious. And None. what was, what, what was, um, was there any more intimacy created um, or was there, what was mm-hmm. the journey as you navigated this in partnership too, what was your partner's feedback? I'm curious. It's so funny, you know, just to share a story here (laughs) of Jake, my partner and I, I, you know, a couple years ago, I guess he was digging a hole in the earth and he was putting- Like in the ground. In the ground. He was digging (laughs) a hole and I'm getting DMs on Instagram. Like, is Jake doing a healing thing about like grieving his own death? Cause it looked like he was digging his own grave. Oh, weird. And I was like, no, he's doing like a pachamanka or whatever the heck it's called. Okay. You're like burying your food in the ground and cooking it. Oh, right. But just to give you context for who we be in the world <laughs> and how much that we live and breathe this work. So in one breath, there was no change because mm. it's like, you do you. Mm-hmm. There's just wild acceptance. Which can be kind of a mind fuck in and of itself, though, because you're like, really? You like my hair curly? This doesn't and crazy? matter to you. Like, yeah, like you, you, you find me attractive. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to, I don't have to fawn or mm-hmm. present or posture. Like I can just show up and be me and nothing changes. So 
it can be a little confusing. I mean, I had enough baseline of work that it didn't rock rock mm-hmm. us or really do much. And his feedback is nothing but encouraging and supportive. So he's like, yeah, this is where you're at. But I think that's probably not the experience of everybody. <laughs> I would <laughs> <Right>? agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I hear that and I um, like, that's the uh, ideal scenario is that you're in a, a partnership where someone's like, I just, I see I've you. seen you in, and yeah. love every part of you. Yeah. So this doesn't change a thing for me, babe. Like you do you and yeah. you explore how you feel best yeah. showing up. And I am in support of that hundred percent. And you coming into further acceptance of yourself is just like going to allow you to open up to me even more. But the truth is, many people who might be experiencing this deconstruction might not be in partnership or might be in just dating and think it's so like, it feels like another reason to stay attached to it. Because what if I'm not, uh, what if my partner doesn't think I'm attractive anymore? What Mm -hmm. if he doesn't like me? What if he only likes this version of me? Um, What do you say to those people who are are Mm -hmm. afraid of that being revealed in this this courageous process? Then they like the idea of you and they never liked you for who you are at all. So we really, in truth, risk nothing. Mm. What That's not a partnership that's worth deepening into if I was never really met with who I am to begin with. Mm. It's conditional. It becomes becomes very clear that you you love me. Um, The idea of who you want me to be for you or who you think I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are many men that I've dated that love the idea of me. Right. But it sounds like this is a beneficial experiment either way because you're Mm going to come out and the truth is going to bubble up to the surface. You're either going to see that this person only loves, that loves me absolutely as I am and I can deepen my uh, my trust and my surrender and my commitment to this partnership because mm-hmm. they they are for me. Mm-hmm. Or what might be revealed is that this uh, that this is actually uh, a conditional uh, relationship that now feels more inauthentic than anything. Yeah, else. misaligned. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And both are purpose are, are purposeful. Yeah, I I do feel like it unleashed a deeper part of me that allowed this wild wisdom. I'll use both, even though I recognize it's almost like saying dry ice. Mm. You know, (laughs) this wild woman that is willing to just strip it away and, you know, uh, I'll just paint a a visual, like go swim naked in the river and paint her face with mud, like this Mm -hmm. wild primal womanhood. And then- the growth and the maturity of the wise sage woman and that they can coexist really connects you more deeply to your feminine and who you really are, which in turn becomes more magnetic and attractive to my partner if he's in his healthy masculine and his divinity. And also my willingness to just go into my deepest edges within myself and within us is that much richer. And I want that all day. Yeah, I always want to go deeper. So beautiful. Although we were in week three and I think he was like, when is this over, babe? Like you seem really sad Mm. (laughs) because of the grieving. Yeah. yeah. And then the breakthrough, that breakthrough did come. And now as you stand here today, you're just 
I, I feel the word that you used to describe femininity earlier with this very powerful woman mm. um, whose presence speaks for itself. Um, everything else is just bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just the packaging. Yeah. Um, and that will change for all yeah. of us. Right. Um, but we get to love it all. I think that's the invitation that I get when I hear your story is this invitation to like embrace and accept and love the parts of us that we have um, rejected and demonized and um, look at the beliefs that we hold that are actually costing us our, our connection to ourselves and to our truth and to um, the intimacy that we crave. Yeah. And to each other, each other sisterhood. Yeah. What's your, deepest desire for women listening right now that they would take away from this? If anything, mm. To know that all parts of you are welcome, even the parts that don't feel safe to be seen for who you are. Mm. That is the way of the whole woman. And coming into wholeness doesn't mean we reject the parts that don't feel safe, parts that are young. It means we learn to love them more. Mm. Yeah. All is welcome. And that's the work that you help women with. Mm. Can you... Give us a little bit of uh, background on how you're supporting women now, what that looks like in your business, and if people are listening and want to know more, yeah, uh, where they can find that out. Yeah. I work with other powerhouse women that have big God-sized missions on their heart mm. that want to become, I used to call her the 1% woman, and I realized it doesn't include all of us. Mm. And so to become the whole woman leader. Yeah. So that more of her can be experienced in this world. And that we can really, truly leave this world a better place than when we entered it because of the mission and the movement that we're, that we're providing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like practically? Do you work one-on-one, group yeah. coaching? I know All, you run retreats. Yes. What's happening currently in your world? Yeah, we're hosting actually in your old stomping ground at Serenby in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, this August, we have the Made for More retreat. It's a very intimate circle of women, so we can go deep, mm-hmm. 10 women. Um, we still have a few spots left for that, which is great. Yeah. We also have a group coaching container, um, which is called the Somatic Success Academy, um, which really brings nervous system strategies and work to um, to business outcomes. How do I feel, right? Mm-hmm. Un- under un- Identifying and uncovering these patterns of fawning, for example, yeah. that we spent quite a bit of time talking about. And then also one-to-one support for those that are just at a a different level of leadership, but um, they have a big responsibility and women in leadership do have a, a lot of pressures that are different than men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, if they have, if they have some deep responsibilities um, and they have a lot of people that they are responsible for, um, that's probably the right container for them. So it's all the things and all the ways, but yeah. there's different programs for different people. Yeah. Where are you at online? How can people connect with you? Yeah. Everything's on Elevate with Carrie, K-E-R-I.com. You guys, we want you to go connect with Carrie. If this conversation resonates with you, um, please reach out to her. She is open, I know, to connecting Mm -hmm. and to telling more about her story and how you guys can work together. If that is something you're looking for and you are a powerhouse woman, but also we can't do all of this alone. Carrie and I don't. We lean into each other. Uh, we call each other. <laughs> we we need each other. And um, so I really encourage you if if this uh, conversation sparked curiosity within your own heart to to reach out. Um, and that's what we do this for, you know, so that yeah. we can live lives that don't just look good 
on the outside. Yeah, they right? feel good too. They feel good too. Mm-hmm. I just want to say thank you to every one of you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Coachable Podcast. This is where you get game-changing advice for the game of life so that you can level up in life and business. I hope that you will share this with a friend. Make sure to go to the show notes to learn about how you can connect with Carrie, what she has going on and everything that's happening here at the Coachable Podcast. And go share this with a friend. Make sure you're following us on YouTube. And if you loved this, I would ask that you would do me a big favor and just leave us a rating and review. That is the number one way you can say thank you if this show has in any way impacted your life. Uh, It really, really helps us um, grow the show. And I just want to say thank you in advance if you take the time to do that. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for being part of this community. And we'll see you next week on the Coachable Podcast.